This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you haven't heard about Anchor, let me tell you, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Check this out. It is free. No, I'm serious. It's free, 100%. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor then distributes that podcast for you, and you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can also make money from that podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Dear Shorts, we love you. Shorts help define who we are and who we have the ability to become. You trigger emotions we didn't even know we were capable of having. Shorts also inspire us and give us tremendous hope. Hope in the world, hope in people, and hope of a glance of Gojo's enormous thighs. You teach us an invaluable lesson and they show us how to love. And for all of that, we are eternally grateful. This ad is our love letter to you, Shorts. It's a place where all Shorts, regardless of length, color, or material, are welcome. If you could talk to Shorts, what would you say? back on Lauer After Hours. This is Mike Ryan Fan Account, and today we are joined by Mike Golick Jr. Hi, guys. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey Mike. Hey, nice to meet you. Hey, hey. Mr. Gojo. Hi, Mike. All right. Welcome to Lauer After Hours. Uh, my name is at Crispy Scream on Twitter with two Ks. Uh, today we have Mike Golick Jr., affectionately known to Levitard listeners and around ESPN as Gojo. Um, I call him Gojo Gadget because you are absolutely all over the place uh, at ESPN. Uh, Golick and Wingo, uh, uh, though obviously the legendary weekend observations you did with Stu. Um, NFL draft, the Nathan's hot dog eating contest, uh, and you got a new show uh, with uh, Shanae Agwumake uh, starting August 17th from 4 to 7 p.m. on ESPN Radio, I believe. Is that correct? Did I get all that right? That is correct. I can say all the bio information, including the up-to-date stuff. So, yeah, uh, 4 to 7 p.m. with Shanae starting August 17th. So, good times. Fantastic. Fantastic. I look forward to listening to that. Um, so uh, uh, before we get started, before I throw it out to beep count, I just wondered um, uh, just uh, I, and I hope this isn't a touchy subject. Your dad's name has been all over Twitter um, recently. So we wanted to give you a chance to weigh in and ask, is it Golik or Golich? 
Uh, so technically <laughs> it is go leech. Like that was like one of those weird things that Mike and everyone discovered that I had known for a while. Like we have a uh, Slovenian background and the original last name had the H on it. Like every once in a while, we'll get like a random Facebook request from some like Eastern block Facebook account. That's got the H on it. And I'm like, right. Oh, like nice. The motherland. Great times. <laughs> All right. Well, there you, there you have it. Uh, you heard it from the man himself. All right, uh, we're going to toss it over to uh, Beep Count. He's got a, a pretty serious football question, I believe. Gojo, my man, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, good. Uh, this is at Beep Count on Twitter. Um, very, very serious football question here. Um, you are a new GM of a brand new expansion football team. I want you to build the greatest roster possible using only the Animal Kingdom. Ooh, all right. Important. Best roster possible. All right. Uh, I think like foundational animal for me is probably going to be silverback gorilla. I am nothing if not like a brutish former offensive lineman. And so the appeal of raw power that has the dexterity of both arms and hands for feet, tremendously appealing. Um, From there, I feel like you need sky representation. So I'm going to go Peregrine Falcon on that one. Big time dive capability. We have to establish the run on this team. And so I want to be able to have a competent dive option in all of this. And then if I'm going to round it out like foundational pieces, so I've got land, I've got sky, I probably need C. And for this one, I want a combo. And so I'd go polar bear. Like they're so large. And again, my team is going to be built on beef. You've got land and sea capabilities, thrives in adverse conditions, so you know adversity that it faces will not be a challenge for this. It's used to it, and quite frankly, it's dealing with like the melting, the polar ice caps and stuff, so bigger fish to fry coming over and helping start a football team is really going to be like a, the off day. It's sort of a, a nice kind of reminder of what's important in life. So no blue whales like on the offensive line because that, that's taking up a lot of space on the line. You're going to get a lot of blocking out of a blue whale. Yeah, you are. But like, I also want mobility. Like, that's the thing. Like, if we were talking about like the mid 90s offensive lines, when you could go a little more beef that maybe wasn't asked to be quite as athletic, although that's not a disrespect to, you know, the outliers, the Larry Allen's, the Willie Ropes of the world, those freaks of nature. But in general, I'd like a somewhat more nimble group there. We're going to be like a Kyle Shanahan group. So big outside zone play action concepts off of that. We want a major and big skill position. So think more in that range like that, like larger primates, uh, things like that, that kind of fit into that, like Kyle juice check model. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. I, I appreciate the, uh, the thought that you put into that answer. It, uh, it really warms my heart. I appreciate it. All right. Somebody uh, asked in the chat, if we sent you the questions ahead of time, the answer is absolutely not. That was just how good he is at, uh, at, at, uh, putting together a football team with the animal kingdom. Wow. Super polished. All right. uh, man, you could you could give Ron McGill a uh, run for his money, I believe, Gojo. Um, I think I've listened to enough of that segment, and I also live alone, <laughs> right? so you have no idea the depth of strange thoughts that just <laughs> yes. continuously live in my peanut brain. That's fantastic. All right, we're going to uh, Steve next. I believe he's got a Stugat's Fantasy Island question. Hey, what's up, Gojo? How you doing, how you man? Doing? Good. Good, how are you? So uh, we're obviously mainly a Leopard show centric. So figured best kind of behind the scenes story about Stugatz at Fantasy Island or just in general, whatever you got. The best behind the scenes story about Stugatz. 
Fan- Fantasy Island was such a blur because we were both basically punch drunk the whole time. Although, like, weirdly, my favorite moment was they put beds out on us for one of the scenes that we were doing because it was starting to get late at night. And, actually, like, we actually used the time to go to sleep for a little bit. We were trying to find some time and just, like, looking over at Stugats and, like, the silk PJs they had bought for us and each other, like, putting our little masks on before going to bed. That was the first time I'd ever met Stugats in person. So, like, all of those experiences that we were having for the first time was so great, but it was where I got the true sense of who Stu Gotts was because right across from the studio that we were in for fantasy Island was mission control for the entire thing. And Stu Gotts was just walking over there doing his typical thing. But this is the first time where I'd seen him holding court and finger wagging at everyone where he's talking to like younger talent at ESPN and selling them the dream of, you know, yeah, I'll give you my number. If you need anything, call me, let me know. Knowing full well, he won't return your call for another few weeks because he's told this to everybody and has to try and balance all of those. But just watching the way he held court over there and started to try and go in and do the typical Stu Gotts thing, it was my first real foray into that. And it happened while we were wearing silk PJs and like doing a million wardrobe changes with each other after meeting for maybe 20 minutes before that. How many uh, heaters and chicken parms did he have? No heaters in that one, which was honestly wow. shocking now seeing him and especially having seen him in like the alley behind the Clevelander at certain times and all that. So <laughs> I was a little surprised by that one. I also really enjoyed getting to relive as like everyone sent out tweets about my dad seeing the shots of dad massaging Stugatz's glutes <laughs> and maybe the greatest one-liner hands in the dirt that Stugatz <laughs> has ever had because it wasn't fed to him by Mike for once. So... <laughs> Oh, man, I like the parting shot right there. Not fed to him by Mike for once. All right. I got to give, uh, give those guys some credit. I mean, every yep. once in a while, Stu guys, but, like, my my favorite thing is hearing it come out of the earphone yep. and go on over the mic right before he says it. It's perfect. I right there with you. And then, and then back to the shadows. All right. Uh, let's see. We have Asom up next. Uh, I think he's got a, another question about Stu Gotts and Sarah Spain, I believe. What's up, Junior? It's Asom from Chicago, man. How you doing? Good, good. My question also revolves around the fantasy football marathon. Going back a little bit more, uh, one of my favorite um, parts that happened during is when you were with Sarah Spain, I believe in a car, and Schefter pulled you guys over. It was some oh, sort yeah. of skit. And <laughs> all three of you were just dying laughing. I'm sure there was a lot more going on than what we saw on camera. I'd like to just hear about that moment a little bit. We were all really tired. Like, that's the thing is, so what I always said about Fantasy Island in any of its forms is, me and Stu Gotts got to be huge slap dicks. And then Sarah came over there and got to like, you know, basically facilitate the same role. Shefty and like Matthew Barry and all these guys had to give competent fantasy advice every hour on the hour for the entirety of this marathon. The first year Shefty legitimately turned green at one point. Like we thought he was dying until we discovered the shower that was in Bristol headquarters. And so that year, it started to get to the point where we were all so punch drunk and Adam was just so happy to not be doing serious fantasy breakdowns that we all couldn't contain it. Like someone's fake mustache was falling off. It was really that simple of we're all just so tired. And that was the most dangerous part about the fantasy marathon is you would get to hour like 26 and people would be so tired and slap happy. They would just start throwing reckless takes out we thought we were going to get fired the first year in hour 28 like, <laughs> it got really reckless during the fantasy draft and i remember Stu and i looking at each other because we had been in that mode for a while we're like everyone's going to start to push it and someone's not going to survive this excellent excellent thank you before i pass you along i just want to know as you might have heard we had fits on recently 
and he gloated that he was on before you, but that doesn't mean that his pod is going to drop before yours. See, how about that? Fitz has no idea how this works, how deep the, uh, how deep the rabbit hole goes. So I appreciate you guys holding that over his head. He gets a little, gets a little big for his britches. Sometimes that high pitch voice uh, carries a little less weight than he thinks. He did. Uh, he did mention that he doesn't mind uh, talking as much uh, smack to you uh, because of the whole social distancing zoom thing right now. So he's a, he's quite the keyboard warrior. You'll have to listen to that episode and uh, have a rebuttal for him. Fitz is like every like backup quarterback I ever played with who just stands behind <laughs> you in the bar and talks shit and then literally looks at like Mike, this guy's got to go. And like you do it, you throw the other, you know, you throw the other guy yeah. out because he's your buddy, but like he just lives to make problems. That's what that's what like you know backup quarterback size guys do. Right, right. You're being a good teammate. All right. Uh, up next, we got Cody Cavalry. I think he's got uh, something about Jadavian Clowney. Hey, what's going on, Gojo? Um, so on? instead of asking you kind of a generic question, um, I wanted to tell you a story about my college experience um, and kind of let you react. Um, and if you had any follow-up questions or anything. Um, so I went to South Carolina. Um, I went to play baseball. Um, I had Tommy John surgery going into college um, my freshman year. Um, so after, after surgery, I didn't, um, ever get to throw in as hard as I used to. So I, I basically, um, was pulling splinters out of my ass for two years. So I got tired of that real quick. Um, I had some small college offers to play football, um, out of high school. So after those three years, um, with baseball, I decided to switch over and walk on the football team. Um, as a wide receiver, um, and as you can relate, um, you know that there's there's maybe one, if any, um, scout team tight ends. So I um, I had the privilege of being one of those scout team tight tight ends, um, lining up to the one and only Jadavion Clowney. Uh, so we're we're in <laughs> we're in a preseason camp, and um, we're running. Um, I was lined up on the left. He was on right side DN, um, and we're running. I want to say it was a stretch to the right to where I was having to um, block down across his face, knowing that he was stunning inside. Um, So basically, he was going to um, basically crush my my skull. So I decided that I was going to pull a Stugatz and I was going to chip and go to the to the next level. So move up to the linebackers and such. So we ran the play. So I chipped him a little bit, let him go on and, and move to the second level. So after the play, as you know, the the D-line coach was like, he gave me a good uh, little ass chewing um, and was saying, what, what the hell are you doing? Well, I pulled a Stu Gotts and uh, blamed it on the GA who – um, I don't know how you guys did it, but <laughs> the, the GAs run the uh, – Oh, yeah, the, they run uh, the awesome. periods. Yeah, they run the offensive scout. So, I was like, hey, man, that's that's what he told me to do. Um, and he was like, eh, whatever. So, the next time around, we do it again. And the offensive GA, he he kind of gives me a thing. And I say, hey, that's, that's what the D-line coach told me to do. And then, so, the finally at the end – we run it again, and the, and the D-line coach says something, and I, I say the same thing. And then so we're heading back, and, and Clowney goes, hey, man, you bullshitting? You bullshitting, coach? I said, yep. 
He said, hey, I fuck with it, man. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of tell that story and, and get your reaction and uh, see if you had any any relatable experience uh, with that kind of thing. Hey, man, we all made business decisions. Like, that's 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 <laughs> know thine self. Now, like, there's enough coaches out there that'll lie on players when the same thing happens the other way. So I don't feel all that bad for guys when it starts you know, going uphill. Now, I have a bunch of friends that are GAs now, and I know shit rolls downhill and it hits hard when it gets to that level. So I, I feel those guys in all this. But uh, I, um, I'm trying to think if there was any one guy. Like, I remember my welcome to college football moment. I was up running scout team and pulled around on a toss play. And Maurice Crum Jr. was our captain and a senior linebacker at Notre Dame. Too banged up, never had much of a pro career, but came downhill and legit. I was like 275, 280 as a freshman and came downhill and just smoked me. And I literally got hit in slow motion, felt myself fall on my ass and was wondering if college football was for me and all that. But the only reason I would have, if I was anyone else, been pissed at you and all that is because it sounds like you guys had to re-rack that play like three times. And there's no greater hell in the scout team periods. Like everyone's just trying to get through it. Even the starters, like the coaches are yelling and want to give you a look and all that. Like I'm getting the look in one-on-ones. I'll get the look in team. Like I come to the scout team periods to like go through the mental reps, but I was a scout team player for a long time. Like on the other side, you're usually trying to go all out and like give a look because you're trying to get noticed and all that. But that's the only thing that would have pissed me off is knowing we did it three or four times because you were dodging it. But with Clowney, who can blame you? Like the starters don't want to block that guy. But anyone yeah. from Michigan didn't want to block that guy. That's why he's famous. Yeah, I made I made the executive decision that I did not want to die that day. No, listen, I get it. I just uh, I was talking to uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine who played for the Bears, and he was talking about Leonard Floyd in very similar fashion. That in practice, that was just like those aren't problems you want. Like that's stuff for game day. You're not trying to get blown up in practice. Nobody like nobody wins when that happens. They don't hand out awards for that. Correct. How do you play? Golik, where is Clowney going to land? Um, man, like I thought for the longest time it was just going to be Cleveland because it was a money thing, but he seems really against that. I wouldn't be surprised if it like a late hour, especially in training camp, someone like the Titans, like just fully tighten up and add him. Mike Vrabel's like sole purpose in life seems to be able to just get outside linebacker DN bodies and make them play every position on the entire defense. So I don't think he'll stop till he gets to that quest. And Clowney would be, I think of that defense, the most apt to be most able to be able to play all those positions. So Seems like a Titan move. All right. All right. Getting into some sports talk. All right. Uh, let's see who's up next. We got Bruce in sales. He's got a, uh, well, I won't, I won't preface this. Bruce, go for it, man. What's up, Gojo? What's up? Nice hey, to hear. Thanks. This is Bruce in sales. I sent you the, the You Good shirt a while ago. It was a really cool moment to wake up and see you. See, like, oh, it's on Twitter. He's on the show. It was a really cool moment for me. Um, I'm going to change it up. I, norm, normally, I either ask a poop question or a pee question, but I'm going to go back to a pizza question because I think it's just going to fit better. Um, if you were a pizza topping, uh, what would you be and why? Uh, I would be chorizo because I'm both beefy and spicy. Ooh, good answer. Wow. Wow. No hesitation. <laughs> right off the dome. Didn't have to give it. I mean, I say you didn't have to give it thought. Clearly, you've given that thought before. I really like chorizo, like, and just in general, I'm like, this is going to shock you guys. I'm a meat lover's pizza kind of guy. So (laughs) that idea, but I do like, I've found that as I've gone along in in, in my life, I'm really into spicy food. So shout out to chorizo. What about uh, pineapple with that chorizo? 
You know what? Like, I'm not out on pineapple and pizza. Like, I don't Thank know where you. that slanders. Thank I actually, you, I love oh, pineapple Thank as an alternate Mike. for like all sorts of spicy stuff. I love it in stir fry. Like when you get that little bit of sweet and a oh, different yeah. texture yep. tossed into an end where people aren't used to seeing it. What a delight. Do that. So Line with pizza. Are you uh, for New Haven? Peppies, Sally's, or modern? Uh, I like, I, I, most often I'm going to go with Frank Peppies. I do, um, I do love, God, I'm blanking on the name. So the first time I went down there, I went to bar pizza down there at the request and the, uh, recommendation of Mina Kime. So I am also a big bar pizza fan, but if I'm going to pick any of the staples, it's going to be Frank Peppies. Right. Somebody just jumped the line and that was one of our lightning round questions, guys. God, I'm trying it to fit. keep this it on the fit, right. right? It fit. I know, I know, I know you did a good job. I'm I'm kind of backhanded complimenting you right now. Okay, next up we have steak sauce out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Steak sauce. Hey, go Joe. It's steak sauce. What's up, man? Favorite name so far. How you doing? <laughs> Good, bro. I wanted to ask you, uh, what's more impressive to you, uh, your dad having Reggie White as a teammate, or your uncle having uh, Kelly Kapowski as a teammate? <laughs> yeah, no. Good question. That was. Um... <laughs> That was, by the way, like the say by the Bell College years, number one name recognition item for the last name Golick. Like everywhere I've gone, my dad and my uncle's other accomplishments are meaningless in comparison to the public's view of say by the Bell College years. I'm sure they only wish the people that actually had like uh, Nielsen meters at the time would also agree with that because it would have lasted a lot longer. <laughs> um, I'll still go Reggie on that one though, just because he is a terrifying force of nature. And every time Reggie highlights hit the internet again, I'm reminded that there is nothing that has ever existed that will equal Reggie White in my mind. He is both a terrifying force of nature and a terrifying man of God. And so those two things created the minister of defense. And he is, uh, he is, it, I, it just, it like hearing Reggie White stories all growing up as a kid, like made him seem like a folk hero to me, like because of when Reggie passed, I never got to meet him as like an adult when I would have remembered it. So he is basically like football Paul Bunyan for me. I was just about to say is, larger than life. Paul Bunyan is, is the first person that comes to mind. Is the Minister of Defense one of the greatest nicknames in football history? By far. And like, yeah. because it fits so perfectly, like in a lot of instances, it's just like, you know, like something like easy that you can throw up in there. But like, he actually lived it so like fully and truly. Like, I think my dad said one time he baptized someone in the hot tub at the Pro Bowl. So like, Reggie was really about like, that whole idea of ministry in his faith. So he earned it in both counts. All right. Uh, next up, we've got Barrett. I believe he's got a hair question. Barrett? Mike Golick Jr., it's nice to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, too. I'm, uh, I'm coming out here from the East Coast, Jacksonville, Florida. I'm a young person whose hairline is not agreeing with him. And, uh, oh, wait, did you do it? Oh, yeah. I came on home. That that was that Whoa. was my that was my question. I was yeah. gonna ask when's it gonna happen. Yeah, so it happened during quarantine because it was low stakes. So I got a couple of uh, I got a couple of big ass moles on my head that I was always kind of self conscious about when it came to shaving it. And so I figured quarantine would be a really good time because if I shave it and I don't like it, no one's gonna see it. We weren't on TV at that point during all this, and so it was a low stakes risk. And it turned out I really liked it for the most part. Like. Decently shaped head, not a lot of craters or everything in there. The maintenance is tough, though. Like, I don't have enough hair to obviously, like, look good with my hair grown out to any extent. But it also grows in too fast for me to, like, shave this all the time. So I'm in this weird middle ground where I end up just kind of looking like Rosillo. 
Will, do you have any tips to that problem? Uh, yeah, so I've I've been uh, uh, shaving my head, been baking my head since I was 22. I'm 34 now. Um, I, I've got a nice brawn, like self-cleaning razor that I just, instead of shaving my face, yeah. I've, I've, you know, as you can see, I don't shave the chin. Uh, I had this beard for 14 years now, 15 years now. Uh, but yeah, every single day, instead of just shaving your face, you get one of those like nice, uh, foil razors, uh, electric razors. Oh! Yeah. I was, I like, I keep wondering because I've been like, I've been bicking it with like a normal razor and sure. trying to do the back of my head is a nightmare. I yeah. It's like, scary. It's scary. <laughs> I got like yeah. one big landmine mole back there that I have cut several times. Oh like, yeah. Just that's blood scary, everywhere. Man. It's like the shining in there. Get you, get you one of those. I think mine is uh is a brawn, uh, but it's uh, it's self-cleaning and uh, yep. You just stick in the stand, let it charge and, uh, and go to town every day. Damn, that's big time, man. This is yeah, huge. man. <laughs> my, so right. fi- my follow up is: Will you rock that on on the air now? Yeah, no. Every once in a while, I've come out with it. I did it for the hot dog oh. eating contest. Like I've started doing it. Like I- I'm not going to shave it every day for Golik and Wingo right now because we don't have HD cameras in there, so like people aren't getting an up close view anyway. But I did it for the hot dog contest. Like anytime I've done another TV thing, I try and clean up my act for that because. Like, it's nice and clean. I actually, like, look younger if I bick it than when I did with just, like, a garbage, like, bad fairway head of hair up top. <laughs> Very few men can uh, rock the Bruce Willis, Jason Statham uh, pattern of baldness and look yeah. worth a damn. Yeah, yeah. Dude did not have that luxury at all. It started going dead center and then just, like, straight back and, Yeah. Yeah, no, it it really is. Like when it goes, man, does it go? Like I yeah. saw some pictures from back when I was fat and the hairline was a little stronger. Right. And you could see like the beginning of it, and then it really was just like grubs hitting the lawn. It was bad news. Well, you look good, man. Take it from one uh long, balded guy uh to another. Like you you look fantastic. Solidarity. All right. Solidarity uh, in this one. <laughs> Pamela, you are up next. You've got a, a question about partying, I believe, Pamela. I do. Hey go, Joe. Hi. Halloween basic on Twitter. I like everything that you tweet, but I'm not being a weirdo when I do it. Um, so I like <laughs> to party. It's super important to me. You're planning an epic rager who has to be there to make it an epic rager. Who has to be there to make it an epic rager. Um, Amin El Hassan is a pretty good one. He'd be on the list, but I would say of the ones that absolutely have to be there, it's probably L. Duncan. L. Duncan is like party time in my mind. As far as like ESPN folks, especially in that universe, I have never had a bad time with L. Duncan. Her and her husband, Omar, are awesome, like bringing people together, major major league party starters. And I don't know if you guys saw this. This was on uh, HQ the other day, but they pulled the video from L's wedding. It's her fourth wedding anniversary as the, of the day we're recording this. But the first like song they played before they served dinner after their first dance was Nuck If You Buck, which oh, like, I did anyone, it, it like we played it in the background on the show this morning, and I literally spiked my rundown right after. I almost <laughs> went over and punched Fitz. Like that song <laughs> is just like one giant whirling dervish. And she played it at her wedding. She said, She's like, I spiked my veil. The wedding planner was coming over asking her, like, we have to serve the salads and no one will sit down. And that to me was like quintessential L Duncan. Like the amount of times I've done digital shows with her where I felt like we were going to get fired because I get too comfortable because like she is that like cool of a person to hang out with. So 
L. Duncan, immediate party starter. The Amazing. video she posted, it looked like a mosh pit. Yeah. It was a mosh pit. It was 100% it was a, a mosh pit. So was there a party killer that you don't want there? Who do we oh, need to no. bounce? Oh, no. A party killer. Dad? No, no. Dad, Dad's a party starter, man. We did a show in Columbus for Golik and Wingo two years ago. It was homecoming weekend. Oh, uh, they were Ohio State was hosting Indiana. And we did a show at a Hofbrau house. And so we were there. Five o'clock central was the start. People were in their seats, like 200 people there at 430 in the morning, already serving alcohol. And as soon as we got done with the show, people have been trying to get us to like drink with them during the show. I ripped a shot before the last segment with a bunch of guys. And then as soon as the show ended, my dad turned around. The bar was behind us. And he just goes, beer me. And they brought out one of those big ass, like, not like a beer stein, but like similar size with the open top. And dad, it had to be three beers in there. And dad just necked that thing in like like a good like 25, 30 seconds, lets out a huge belch, and then just courts the crowd in that. So he is a showman, chug god, big time shotgun guy. He is uh he is still definitely party time. Amazing. Can you elaborate? Can sorry about that. Can you elaborate on why Amin? Why Amin? Like Amin is a like has the karaoke club background that he always talks about on the show, like. He is always like very like into the right music when it comes to the moment there. I was with Amin at uh, Prim Seripapat, who is now Prim uh, Aronson, uh, former ESPN colleague of ours, uh, right to the athletic now, does a great podcast there. But we were at her wedding and that was like the first time Amin and I had really hung out on any like outside of work level and just had a really good time with him. Like he just gets it. So good time, easy, uh, easy guy to party with. So not his dance moves. No, definitely not the dance moves. Thanks. Awesome. Thank all right. Uh, that was a great question uh, at Halloween Basic. Um, all right. Up next, we've got uh, Leber Reddit. Uh, Leber Reddit, are you there? I, I am here. Hello, uh, Gojo. How are you? Good. How are you doing? So we're all wearing our Notre Dame gear here, of course. Is that a – is that – oh, is that – it's a Fiesta Bowl throwback. I wasn't sure if it was Fiesta Bowl or Hawaii Bowl throwback. So we're all here in my buddy's basement. I said, <laughs> I'm going to bomb the Zoom real quick, say hello. And we're just curious, uh, why is Rudy the best movie ever? Just curious what your thoughts are. Rudy is a great movie because it is equal parts, like, very, like, rustic, hometown, coming-of-age tale. Like, you get the steel mill and, and all of that. Like, those are great props. That weird scene where Rudy's friend dies, like, jumping off on fire seems like it was a bit overdone, but really sold the drama and all that. For me, selfishly, it's like one of my favorite movies ever because when I got to campus, I did the thing where I could go around and like see all the spots that were in the movie and feel like I was living something pretty cool. So I would say um, that and then uh, The Groundskeeper. The Groundskeeper makes that a movie because he's a great contribution to gift culture. Good answers. Thank you. We're going to sign off now. Good seeing you. See you guys. Yeah. Go Irish. He gets gets murdered. But that's the, that same guy gets murdered by the uh, the metal in Alien. Oh man, yeah, that is hell. <laughs> All right, uh, next, uh, I believe Stupak has a uh, another animal question. Stupak, are you there? No, no, bro. What's up, hey, Stupak? What up, though? Yeah, I wanted to know how many pit bulls. It's really a two part question. I want to know how many pit bulls you think it would take to kill a full grown Siberian tiger. Yeah, and so I saw this question actually pop up in the chat, and my initial answer, like, I figured it was going to have to be, like, 200 or something. Like, once you see, like, I had, like, I was fortunate to, like, get to see, like, a big cat in the wild, like, in Africa, up close and personal, and that is a terrifying force of nature. So we're talking 
full-grown Siberian tiger, I'm going to say at least, because like I, I legitimately saw two female lions kill a wild pig while a crowd of no less than 150 hyenas all kept their distance around there because they didn't want any parts yeah. of that. So I'm going to say a minimum 150 pit bulls. Wow. Now I'm thinking right. 20 if they train to kill. The second part of the question was, now if I take 100 trained pit bulls, like full-grown train, and we took them to like Africa and let them go, say 50 male, 50 female, how long do you think they'll survive? Um, Probably like... It depends on where you let them out. Like, if you let them out near a watering hole, probably, like, I don't know, like a week. But if you let them out somewhere where, like, they're going to have to work to find the water a little longer, I'd give them a month and a half, two months. For sure, bro. show. Good looking, man. Stay up. That being it's just said. tough, man. Africa's tough. Like, that place, like, it's sort of like the desert where everything is very designed to, like, kill you, like, Hippos, man, like hippos are out there. Oh, like like a pit bull is like a mid-afternoon snack for hippos. That's a violent killing machine there. So I'd be very worried about the prevalence of hippos, anything around the watering hole, hungry tigers, even packs of animals. Like, it's just tough. Like, you're on different turf there. Pit bulls are great. They're well-trained and all that. But you're going to fight in someone else's dojo. It usually doesn't end well. Right. We all also right. found out that hippos can run 19 miles an hour on land. So... Dude, I was, we were going, um, when I was over there driving in like the morning and the drivers over there, like they can drive in pitch black and they know exactly where they're going. And the guy just like full stop there. And we were wondering why he was in like three hippos just went tearing ass right across the street. That is, I mean, they are so large, scary and terrifying. <laughs> and all you see are the eyes in the morning leaning off the light. And you realize like that thing was bred to destroy. So that moving that fast isn't fair. Oh man, that's awesome. What a sight. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, up next, we've got Anthony out of Brooklyn. I think he's got a question about the hot dog contest you were at recently. Hey Mike, how are you? Good. How you doing? Anthony, uh, Stan on Twitter, doing good. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about your experience because, um, me and a buddy of mine, actually my buddy, John, not John on here, but another buddy, John from Brooklyn, we had talked about like, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, joining, IFOS, which for people who don't know, International Federation of Competitive Eaters, it's the guys who do Nathan's and all the other stuff. So have you ever thought about joining it or trying it? You know, not even necessarily thinking you could be Joey Chestnut, but oh, I could do 30, you know, dogs. I would love to do it kind of thing. Yeah, no, it's a good question. One that comes up a lot. And um, yeah, I, I never really thought about going pro in it. It was one of those things that when I was playing football, eating was enough of a job because I struggled to gain weight. And so I told myself that when I hung up the cleats finally and got to stop being fat for a living, that I was going to make sure that eating was strictly for pleasure from there on out. And so I leave that stuff to the pros. I marvel at their ability, but uh, all things considered, yeah, I leave that to the professionals now. Happy to be a part of the sport commentating it, truly an honor, but uh, I leave that to them now. And a follow-up, if you were to challenge your dad at something, is there a particular food you would you think you two could do a good battle on? Would it be like the donuts that hampered Stugats or hot dogs or pizza? Or- yeah. So like that, the donuts would truly be like when, um, when Captain America and Iron Man fought in that, uh, in the <laughs> civil war movie, like that would be us with those donuts. Cause dad went hammer time on those things after he called Stugats out on those. But I came up every day coming home from football practice in high school, me and my brother and this kid that we would carpool with, would stop at the gas station and I would make that kid because he was younger than us go inside. I'd give him my money, but he would get me a pack of donuts and a Mountain Dew Code Red and I would eat that every day. So I've conditioned literally my entire life for that moment. 
and I think I would still fully throttle that. I beat him in bacon on Mike and Mike back in the day. We did a bacon eating for time contest, and I whooped his ass in that. So I'm confident in the donuts, too. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for answering. Answering. No problem. Go, Joe. Do a follow-up on the Nathans. Excellent job dropping a collision course. Excellent. Yeah, no, I can say uh, Chris did a good job putting together a list of a bunch of those. I figured collision course was going to easy do, uh, be an easy one. I was disappointed. I wanted to get a, you, I wanted to get a, you know what, maybe in there. And then a how about, I thought for sure I would have just like naturally done a how about that since it's such like a deeply ingrained part of my DNA. So uh, we have goals for next year to get more than just one in. I saw that uh, clip of you and Fitz going, uh, having that contest on the uh, donut holes. And you just, I mean, it was not even a competition. It was a massacre. Uh, do you know how many you ate? I, I, I don't remember the exact number I saw in the video. I don't either know. Like, that was one of those things, too, where I asked, like, the eaters about this. Like, do you have an idea about of how many you're eating while you're going on? And most of them have, like, a relative idea, but they say they don't keep count because you don't want to get in your own head on that. And so right. I like to think I was channeling that. I didn't count at all. I just <laughs> ate as fast and as hard as I could. I hear you. I hear you. All right. Your uh, hate how. In your heyday, how, how many uh, dogs do you think you could put down? Yeah, I you know I thought a lot about this one because right after the hot dog contest, I just like and so, and I when I did the local hour the other day, I brought this up and Billy, I think Billy or Chris brought this up, and it was worth noting. I had so much of that like big hot dog energy coursing through my veins that I had two <laughs> hot dogs in the car before I left Coney Island and like put them down like that, like they were there and they were gone, like a deep inhale. So I think if you gave me like. Hungry stomach, good morning leading up to it. In 10 minutes, I could probably give you 11 or 12 dogs. I think that's conservative without being disrespectful. Okay, okay. Big hot dog energy is a uh, definitely a shirt uh, that needs to be made. Yeah. You need to wear that for sure. 100%. All right. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Aaron uh, out of Memphis. He's got a football question, I believe, Aaron. Oh, Joe, what's good, man? What's up, Aaron? All right, I got Two questions for you. And for, well, I'll say them both on the front end and you can decide what you want to answer first. So I need your top three college football tailgate spots that you want to go to. There's one that has to be in there, but I'll see if you get it right or not. And then the second, the second thing is I want to hear the best story of you getting just, just embarrassed in like a film session whether it was high school oh. or college or anything. Yeah. I know how embarrassing those can be. So I need, I, I'm sure you've got some good ones. Yeah. So I got, I got two that come to mind for that. And so the first part of the three tailgate scenes that I want to be a part of, I've gotten to be around them. One of them, and I've only heard about this is down in Oxford, Mississippi. I've heard the old Miss tailgate scene is pretty famous. My dad used to call games down there and talked about, the chandeliers and all the fine china that people bust out and just in, in general, the, the like interesting scene that campus is. So that's one for sure. I want to truly, I was there for work last time, so I didn't get to tailgate, but I would love to do it in death Valley and Baton Rouge. Like everyone there was so nice and accommodating. Like I just walked in first off that tailgate goes for miles. Like it is very emblematic of the swamp and you have no idea where anything is. But every time I walk by, people be like, oh, you want some gumbo? Like, oh, you want this or that? They toss you a beer. Like, everyone was super cool. So I'd love to go back and tailgate there. And then the other one, I would probably want to go tailgate at Wisconsin. I went up there and visited a couple of buddies from Mifflin there right after college and stayed with a couple of guys, a couple of Wisconsin. Bo Allen was a friend of a friend, so stayed with, like, 
him and Monty Ball and a couple of other guys from the team and went out in that. But I would love to see a tailgate there. And I know the Notre Dame-Wisconsin game just got officially canceled for this year, moved, a, you know, canceled for this year. And they were going to play it at Lambeau, which is great, but I really was hoping they were going to play that one at Camp Randall. I've always wanted to go there for a game as a visitor, see jump around in person and all that. So those are the tailgate spots for sure. And then embarrassing film sessions. Um, overall, as a unit, we played Navy the first game of the 2012 season in Ireland. We smoked them. It was awesome. Like won the game, start the season out there, all that stuff. And it was our first year with Harry Heastand, our offensive line coach, who would go on to like put out all those pros and first rounders in the last seven years. And we came back after that one. And like, we got MF so hard in that meeting. We walked out and I swore, like I looked, I looked at Zach and like Watt and those guys. And I was like, so we lost that game, right? Like a hundred percent lost that game <laughs> because he just full on embarrassed us. But the most, like, it didn't even take the film session for me. I remember this so distinctly because it was when I knew my football career was over. I was in training camp with the saints. We were at the Greenbrier in West Virginia. We were down in the lower fields and Tyler Davison was like a fourth or fifth round pick for us. Defensive lineman rookie that year. And I was lined up at guard. I overset him in a two minute drill period. And he just stuck his hand right in my chest, lifted me, tossed me back. And when I land and looked up, the O-line coach was standing right there and he just like shook his head and I got up and had to run to the line because it was two minute drill. But like the look I saw in his eyes, I was like, oh yeah, I'm not playing football anymore. <laughs> That's nice. A good, great answer. Great answer. And that will conclude part one. As always, this is Mike Ryan fan account. Stay tuned for part two coming soon. Okay, parachutes ready. Boy, the things I go through to get auto loan rates as low as 0.99% APR for 60 months on new vehicles with PenFed. You are aware that you don't have to be a military member to save hundreds on your auto loan, aren't you? Anyone can join PenFed. As someone terrified of heights, I probably should have looked into that. Probably. Drop me off at the shore. PenFed Credit Union. Visit PenFed.org slash autos or call 1-800-247-5626. Advertised rates available through the PenFed car buying service. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.